welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I'm your host, Frank LaRosa, and I uh, look forward to a great conversation today. I'm honored to have uh, two great uh, guests with me today, clients and friends. I consider them both my friends, uh, Brian McCarver and John Freeman from Stonebridge Financial Group out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. What's up, gentlemen? Morning. Morning. Good morning. I appreciate you guys wearing jackets for me. That's, that's very nice of you. Thank you. <laughs> so I, for those of you that are listening, I've worked with both Brian and John for, for several years. I helped them move their practice. We really did a lot of due diligence. I made the right decision. But what impressed me the most about you guys was the fact that you have such different personalities. And you know that's, that's a unique thing, especially in my 25 years of the business. I've seen so many guys come to me as a manager and, you know, you know, they liked playing golf with each other. They liked going to lunch at the local pub together, and they thought it was a great idea to come together as partners. Meanwhile, that wasn't right for them. It ended up in a divorce, right? And neither party was happy, and then guys would leave the office because they couldn't stand to see each other. So I wanted to just really talk about that topic and how you guys have been able to make it successful and grow a multi-million dollar practice over the years. So let me just start by first having you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about how you started. All right. Uh, I'm John Freeman. First of all, Frank, wearing a jacket was not an easy decision today because I'm accustomed to T-shirts and shorts and my COVID beard and haircut. So I've really gotten cleaned up for this. I'm honored. Um, you, you owe me one, bud. <laughs> you know, I have to honestly say that getting back to the office has been wonderful. I actually missed this guy. But I moved to the area in January of 2002 originally from the New York area. Brian was already part of the existing practice when I joined. Uh, so that was January, 2002, it was shortly after 9-11. You know, I had already been looking at becoming a financial advisor at that point. I was more on the analytical side, uh, working for Prudential at the time. You know, after 9-11, my wife and I evaluated where we wanted to live. Uh, it was not in Manhattan. And uh, we were thrilled to join Brian and uh, the group in January, 2002. It's about it. Married, two children, uh, two teenage girls. So life uh, during COVID with two teenage girls has been quite interesting. And yeah, that, awesome. that's, that's awesome. about it. And Brian, you have a, a really interesting background, right? Graduate from West Point Military Military Academy. So that was really interesting. That's why you guys are such, I'm just amazed about your different personalities. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Brian McCarver. I actually grew up in this rough area, but spent a decade of my life after graduating high school. I went to college at a military academy and then spent a little bit over five years in the Army. Uh, for a number of reasons, my wife and I decided to leave the Army and come back to the area. She was interested in living in this area, and I tried to find employment in this area. Better job to do than start a financial advisory practice in your hometown. I was always intrigued and interested in working in finance, although I was a mechanical engineer major, but uh, moving back to this area was easy, uh, but starting in the business obviously is a challenge and uh, hard work, but it was uh, good to do it in your hometown with your parents, my in-laws, 
um, some extended family on her side. So uh, it was just natural for us to come back. We have three boys. I just married one of my, uh, my boys away. He got married about a week, two weeks yeah. ago, two more at home. And, um, you know, we're, uh, back to work. It's been an interesting 90 days, Yeah, totally. Uh, but you know, the energy and the act level of activity is picking up again, which is good for, for us, but it's also indicative of the economy in general. So we look forward to getting back on track. Here. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. About different backgrounds, Frank, as you know, I went to your son's college, yeah. Bucknell. While Brian was was uh, taking life quite seriously at West Point, um, I spent about four years sleeping on a couch somewhere, um, <laughs> waking up with hangovers. So it is an unlikely partnership for sure, especially coming to uh, Central Pennsylvania from from. Uh, working in Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, I, I just uh, definitely, I, but we, but we love you know, I, whenever I think of, of, uh, <clears throat> partnerships that work, I, I, you guys come to mind. So can you, uh, just briefly mm -hmm. describe you, you guys also, one of the things I find fascinating is that you have a, uh, uh, again, just in a, in a, just a few minutes, just describe, uh, the practice itself. So what is it, you know, what do you guys do in production? And, and, and you have a couple of different aspects of your business that I think are unique. You know, right now, I, I guess the way we would call it is, is an ensemble practice. I mean, we, we really don't focus at all on individual production. We're all working together. We all have uh, very clear and distinct roles. We have a retirement plan consulting team that consults to roughly maybe 160 plans, a few hundred million in assets. We have several advisors uh, more focused on the retail side of the business. We have a full-time portfolio analyst. We have a junior portfolio analyst, full-time trader, full-time practice manager, and uh, we're even managing some assets for other advisors who are also affiliated with the same firm. You know, it, it, our practice is about roughly maybe 1.1 billion. I guess that number has been going up and down quite a bit yeah, right. recently. Depends on the day. Uh, roughly 1.1 billion in assets. You have, you know, an office in central Pennsylvania looking to expand outside of Harrisburg to also Lancaster and uh, York areas uh, sometime in the near future. Awesome. Great. Let's sort of dive into this, uh, the whole point of this topic, and that is, you know, how did you guys make this thing work well together? So maybe just describe, and, and you, sort of just, you sort of just mentioned it in terms of West Point and Bucknell. For those of you that don't know Bucknell on the, uh, that are listening to this in the, in the central part of the country, uh, Bucknell is a small school um, in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, and there's really not much to do there other than party. Uh, but it's, a, you know, sort of, so they call it a little Ivy. So uh, he's being humble by saying that he partied all the time. He's a pretty smart individual if he got into Bucknell University. So, <laughs> but in terms of, you know, your, your personalities, how have you been able to work so well together with such a, such a, a, a different personality style, right? And, and really what's worked best with that style and maybe then go into what has been the biggest challenge with the different personalities that you have. And either one of you can answer. It doesn't matter to me. We had the benefit of forming our uh, our uh, our partnership before we even owned anything. Um, John and I were junior advisors on a team, uh, a team consulting to some uh, some fairly large clients. So we were sort of on the outside looking in. So we were sort of uh, hand in hand in the sense that we had to make what we were doing work prior to becoming owners of this practice. So we had the benefit of that. Broadly speaking, that's how we started working together. And then as time went on, we became owners of the practice by buying out 
previous owner. But I, I think what it comes down to the core of things is that we are different in the way that we think. Um, I'm more introverted, sort of a planner, long-term thinker type person. John's more extroverted and social and uh, relational. But to work together, we both need to realize that it's the pieces together that make a practice work. You can't be a practitioner who's introverted and uh, think you're going to be able to network and attract clients and build relationships. And you can't be a relationship guy. Let's, you know, day-to-day stuff happen without any methodology and organization and systems and workflows and that type of stuff. So you have to uh, recognize that the two backgrounds complement each other and then respect the fact that uh, each is a, each background and each methodology is uh, an important component of, uh, of succeeding together. You know, I, completely convinced that nobody in life succeeds on their own. There's somebody who along the way has contributed to everybody's success. And, you know, John being part of that, but there's other people who helped me along the way as well. So if you start with that mindset, that even though you have some accomplishments, they aren't really ever individual accomplishments. They're always group accomplishments. So it's really just compromise and respect and understanding that, um, you know, yin and yang go together. The world isn't full of yangs that succeed. So you just got to be able to figure out how they add together to make three as opposed to two. Yeah. If, if, uh, it's sort of like marriage. I mean, if I uh, was exactly the same as my wife, my kids would be dressed in body armor and they'd be wearing 15 face masks right now. (laughs) Um, you know, we, we, (laughs) Brian and I are very much the same. When, when we have a problem, we almost always come at it from entirely different points of view and angles. It's really remarkable how often we disagree on things, but it's never, you know, negative dis- disagreement. It's just uh, we're, we're, we're just viewing it from, from different angles, different lenses. Um, I would say that we benefited greatly from working together for quite a while prior to forming our partnership. That gave us the ability to understand each other's work ethic, to trust each other. Um, you know, candidly, if we just met each other on the street and formed a partnership without having that first, I'm guessing we wouldn't have had the same level of trust ultimately. Right. That's what it is. We're, we're both, you know, we're, we're both heading in the same direction. We both, frankly, I think have, uh, and this is the most important thing. I think the way we look at the business from a big picture is almost exactly the same. You know, our, our business ethics, I'd say, are, are identical. Maybe nothing else. <laughs> but <laughs> standpoint, the way we handle uh, our employees, the way we handle our clients, I think it's nearly exactly the same. We do benefit, though, from having, uh, you know, a, a practice manager who brings a third point of view that we trust uh, implicitly. Uh, if we have a disagreement that we can't come to a conclusion on, we usually put it out to the group. We have... Uh, a lot of long-term employees, including a couple that were with us um, prior to forming our partnership, were with the previous practice, um, and we truly value their opinions as well. Got it. So when you you uh, that's awesome. You you covered a couple of things there. So when you talk about coming at a situation where you dis where you really disagree on some things, sort of, or you not disagree, maybe disagree, but you're coming from two totally different angles. Can you maybe describe a situation where you guys were 
like on total opposite ends of of um, the decision? And how did you how did you come to a compromise on that? Because there's got to be things where, you know, I think that, uh, you know, having we've all known each other now for how I don't know, four or five years now at this point, something like that. So Brian and I are very much like similar personalities. Right. And so it's you know, we're set. We're like guys that are like sort of set in our ways. Right. Um, and maybe you're not, John, you know, um, how do you how give me can you describe a situation where that you were really like on opposite opposite ends of of a of a decision and how did you work to com- come to come to a compromise yeah i'll i'll uh <clears throat> I'll, I'll dance something that john just said i think at the root of how we look at our practice is that um there's there's really a hierarchy of who needs to be uh, focused on and addressed in terms of the needs of, you know, satisfying people who are part of this practice. And and collectively, John and I believe that our clients always come first. Uh, There's no question about clients first. People say it. I I know people mean it. I know people do it, but, but we practice it day in, day out. Clients always come first. And then second, and surprisingly, maybe this is, this is different than other practitioners as employees come second in large part because when you hire high quality employees and you treat them fairly and well and you respect them and ask for their input and and have them own some of the decisions that we make as practice owners they respect that they enjoy it they like it uh, they get compensated well and, and and so on and then last comes really ourselves is if you if you create that hierarchy of clients first, employees second, owners last, it really becomes it, it's not so much that those priorities ever interchange. It's just at what point do you really prioritize uh, one over the other, or uh, or not prioritize, but you like it, it, it's in that it's in that uh, uh, that separation between clients and employees or employees or owners that really some of the differences surface. And we've just found ways to talk through it and have a third party, which is uh, Cody Gaiman, our practice manager, help us really look at things from both sides. John's very compassionate and very interested in helping people and always, always delivering to people above and beyond what is traditionally expected for an owner to deliver either to a client or to an employee. And I'm always not concerned, but I'm always interested in precedence. You know, if you do something as an owner and you create a precedence for doing it, it creates a potential problem down the road when a similar circumstance occurs with an employee or a client. So I don't, it's true. I don't, I, I'm thinking of one where we actually, in the past year, we had an employee who had discovered that family member became sick, very sick. And we, we didn't have a policy or a methodology for that employee to essentially care for her family member while still remaining to be employed. And, you know, we, we resolved the difference of trying to address her needs by delivering essentially a, um, an equivalent policy. We, we basically built a policy that was around uh, the FMLA, the Family Medical Leave Act, that uh, even though we aren't subject to it, we created a policy that didn't exist beforehand to allow this person to work in a capacity and stay employed with us in a capacity 
until such point or in, in the manner in which she could actually uh, help her family members. So, you know, that was, that was, I'd say in the past year, one of the circumstances in which we disagreed on how to approach it. And we ended up resolving that methodology um, with the help of uh, Cody and uh, just our talking through the process. Yeah, and I think, and Brian's not being fair to himself. He, he deals with employees uh, with a tremendous amount of passion as well. But, but uh, you know, my, my knee-jerk reaction, and I think that, that that's really it. I mean, Brian's sort of the thinker. I'm sort of the, the doer. You know, I, I'm, I work at a crazy frenetic pace 99% of the time and, uh, and sort of ready, shoot, aim. And he is ready, <laughs> aim, shoot. So, you know, while, while I'm, and, and frankly, if I made all the high-level business decisions, there wouldn't be a business. Um, that, that is the truth, you know, it, it were, or at least there wouldn't be a profit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, everybody else would be making money except for either. So, 501c3, um, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is, I mean, you know, my, my, my knee jerk reaction is usually to, um, not worry about policies and procedures and just, you know, do, do what you can, uh, to help people um, and Brian wants to help people but also wants to have a viable business and frankly what I've learned over the years is uh, this is dealing with employees who aren't productive this is dealing with policies and procedures who, that aren't productive I've learned a, a lot from Brian um, because if we uh, didn't develop these these things these policies these procedures these uh, if we had a new set a new precedent for each and every employee and client who walked in the door, it'd be problematic, you know, and my brain just doesn't work that way. I remember a conversation that Brian and I had when we were, when we were uh, in Oklahoma. Well, I don't want to get into the exact details, but it was a situation where you, you guys clearly had a difference of opinion on something. Uh, Brian, I don't know if you remember that it had to do with dogs. Yeah. <laughs> dogs in the office. <laughs> right. And uh, that's when I realized, I think, from the, that how, how much different your processes in decision-making were right and so uh just seeing that so if we can just get into a little bit about and and i know you have cody so some of this but i also know that cody you know has only been with you for for a few years now right and so how do you deal because of your personalities like how do you make decisions on who deals with the employees do the employees come to you or to you john or to you brian or do they steer away from brian right it's like the good parent bad parent like i'm gonna i have a really problem a really interesting question i need to i need to i need a, a policy you know, breaking a policy or whatever. I'm going to go to John because he's just going to say yes. If I go to Brian, he's going to ask me all sorts of questions. Uh, <laughs> you nailed it. You nailed, you hit the nail on the head. I'm not sure I'm allowed to speak with employees anymore without <laughs> Cody and Brian uh, monitoring every word that I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, and and, uh, and and the fact that we're a two-person partnership, we, we needed a sort of a go-between, and that's what our practice manager offered, is that he was the point of sort of access or entry into how we would make a decision. So employees now communicate directly with him. So it, 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 it resolves some issues because they never get to us, but then if it needs to get to us, then the three of us sit down and just talk through it. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not so much that John always says yes and I always say no, it's just like, if we say yes, we have to think about these three things in the future. Like a yes is okay, but let's make a yes contingent upon, you know, these ideas. And actually right, right now, the three of us, Brian, John and Cody are 
working through the topic of working from home. You know, I, I happen to believe that full service financial advisors need to greet and meet people face to face and shake hands and answer phone calls in your office and do that stuff. And uh, recognizing this COVID pandemic is changing how we operate, et cetera. I mean, thank goodness this pandemic hit in 2020 and not in 1960 when we couldn't work from home. So we've largely been able to work from home, but I still believe that even though we can functionally do things at home, our clients expect us to be here face-to-face -face interacting with them. So we're working through that policy and that work through has been 30 some days of conversations between Brian and John. And we sent a survey monkey to our employees and we asked for their written feedback and we're searching for a, an answer that we satisfy number one, our clients, as I said before, but number two, uh, employees and you know the technology that we have allows people to work from home, but is it necessarily the, what we should do and what our clients want? So, yeah, it's a tricky topic. I mean, you know, it, I remember several years ago, Brian wanted uh, did not want our staff to have laptops. He didn't want them to feel like they needed to bring their work home with them, which really does make sense. Like you're. I'm here sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Did you just say Brian didn't want them to feel like they need to bring work home? Right. Right, which was good. Okay. Was nice. Cody came in here at 24 years old and said, what are you guys doing? You're crazy. Everybody needs to have laptops and the ability to work from home just in case. So, uh, you know, having a third party with, you, you know, helping out these two old guys figure out technology is really, really helpful. And, you know, that third party, I mean, he, he is, by the way, we found and employed some magnificent millennials. So my opinions about millennials have changed. They're really valuable. <laughs> To our business, uh, but having that third voice is really good. Um, from his perspective, working from home is 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 much easier, and and uh, we're actually I think together struggling with that topic a little bit. Um, but you know, my knee jerk reaction to most everything is just give people what they want and avoid conflict, and uh, that's not the right reaction. And, uh -uh. and one thing learned really over the past several years is that uh, employees want structure. They want rules, they want structure. Uh, they don't want everybody operating differently because it leads to a lot of resentment, it really does. And, and uh, you know, keep your good employees happy. You do have to have some rules and some structures behind the practice. So, you know, I think this is a, it's a learning experience for all of us. Awesome. Yeah. I haven't historically learned anything about structure or rules uh, having attended the military. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't know anything about that, right? Yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit about hiring and firing. How do you guys make a decision on, or and have you ever made a decision where one person just loved somebody and the other person didn't, right? And, and maybe before Cody, because I'm probably sure Cody now plays a much, much bigger role in that process. But, you know, how did, how did you overcome where you guys just felt differently about somebody, whether you were hiring somebody or letting somebody go? Well, I, one thing, and I keep going back to this hierarchy, is uh, and, and, you know employees are number two on our list. Uh, when it comes to the performance of an employee, we both seek the input of not just ourselves, because we're buried in our day-to-day -day, uh, interaction with our own clients. We seek the interaction of the people that interact with that. Uh, we speak. To, we seek the feedback of the people who interact with that employee and to know whether or not they're doing their job right or wrong. So 
we value and we want other people to say, yeah, that, that person's an A player or a C player or they're a C player and here's why. So I don't know that necessarily we've ever had an exact difference on uh, a termination. Uh, I would tell you that broadly speaking, you know, when, when uh, the performance of an employee gets to the point where it's starting to impact the flow of the team, you really need to quickly make a decision as to whether that team member should be or should not be part of the team. And I'd say that might be something if we had to do it slightly differently, we might have altered the time frame in which we made some of those decisions. But it was never, oh, let's keep this person, let's not keep this person. We sort of didn't make very rapid decisions on, uh, on replacing. I'll, I'll speak quickly on hiring. Again, I keep going back to this hierarchy. Employees deserve to be paid well, and finding high-quality employees require them to be paid well. Uh, I think one of the one of the things that we have done well is we have hired very good employees, um, and we pay them well because uh, and, and pay is a component of you know compensation, benefits, PTO, all that stuff matters. It's costly to replace uh, employees that aren't working. So if you get A players on your team and you have to pay for them a little bit more, it helps in the long run because you don't have disruption. And then you have people who buy into the methodology and the practice and how we operate, and then they become long-term you know, people in doing the work that we want to do with our clients. Yeah, and just to add to that, I mean, you know, and I think Brian feels the same. There's never been a, an employee who walked through this tour that I didn't, that I didn't like. You know, and that, that's part of, part of my, uh, personal problem is that um, if I like somebody personally, uh, I, I tend to not want to let them go from the business, even if they are not, uh, even if they are disruptive to the team, you know, and right. um, that, that's something that frankly, again, kudos to Cody. He hasn't quite earned the nickname, the hammer yet, but uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, he recognizes that there is one player that's not, uh, that's a C player that really has a detrimental act, as, um, impact on the B players and the A players. And, um, you know, sort of making processes become faster. We actually put together uh, a list of um, sort of the, the Stonebridge cultural aspects that are the important things to us as a culture. And that's part of our survey that we send out to all the, all the employees every uh, twice a year where they grade each other. Um, and it's really, really, really good to see their feedback when making these decisions. And, uh, you know, finally, that's the one thing that we're both very much on the same page with. Um, we have been absolutely um, choosing to, uh, I'd say, pay above market for, for better talent. And that is just so unbelievably beneficial to the group. Uh, these are forced multipliers. They're not always financial advisors, but they're forced multipliers. And uh, they allow your business to grow much faster. And, you know, frankly, I, I look back four, five, six years ago, where we were making all these decisions and we were doing everything ourselves and it, it was miserable. I mean, we were stuck at, when we were first meeting, meeting with you, we were stuck in, in this quandary of do we, do we stop growing? Uh, do we want to grow? Um, and we made the decision that we're going to hire well and we're going to grow and we're going to grow out of some of these old problems. And it's not like new problems don't pop up, but you really can grow a practice out of the problems that you were having before by hiring the right people and uh, kind of expanding the responsibility of other people in the practice. Yeah, I'd say, awesome. we, I mean, there's a number of very good hires that we had and we keep focusing back on Cody, but Cody was, um, 
I, you can see I've rubbed off on John. He's using military terms like uh, force multiplier now. But uh, <laughs> Cody was a definite force multiplier because if you think of, uh, and, and our practices, I'm not, not different than any other practice, people who contemplate leaving a wirehouse organization and starting in the independence organization, you, uh, in, in the independence, uh, the independent uh, financial advisory world, is you, you add a whole host of things that frankly, we're entrepreneurial, we're organized, we're, we enjoyed running a business, uh, et cetera, but that's not what Brian or John, uh, we're not paid by our clients to run a business or run payroll or do the QuickBooks. We're, we're, high, we're, 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 uh, we're, we're hired by our clients to give them uh, objective and authentic quality advice. So as a result, hiring somebody and maybe even taking a pay cut to get rid of some of those business aspects, and that can be an internal person or that can be an outsourced person. But when you bring somebody onto your team to allow you to make day-to-day -day decisions, not strategic decisions, but when you allow them to make those day-to-day -day decisions for you, then you can focus on serving clients, delivering plans, prospecting, presenting, all that stuff that you're supposed to do as a financial advisor. Wow. That, that right there, I think in, in a nutshell, that encompasses the, the whole conversation. That, that's unbelievable. If someone's listening to this right now or, or two guys are, are listening to this uh, conversation or watching on YouTube, uh, Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa, what's the one piece of advice you would give two guys that are thinking about becoming partners that they should go into before they sort of you know, get married together. Hmm. It's interesting. Um, you know, as I said before, we had the benefit of working together first and building that trust together first. I'm, I'm not sure how the partnership would have worked out um, without that because that's what it takes. I mean, we've always been 50, 50. I, I we've never actually examined um, the production that each of us have. So we've been 50, 50 for ever. how many years? I don't know. How many years? I mean, forever. Um, that's the level of trust that we built before starting our partnership. And if you don't have that with somebody going into it, it's not going to work. That's really it. Yeah. I, I, I would say that we benefited from the fact that we had the ability to work together and, um, the, the, the input that we offer to the practice is different in terms of uh, tangible and intangible things, but you just have to value that the other person's contribution is equivalent to their ownership. And that doesn't necessarily mean uh, meetings or hours or accounts or production or whatever. Now, we have very similar, it's not like uh, we have a hugely dissimilar manner in which we produce or whatever, or for that matter, how we invest money we have very common practices, but it comes down to just knowing that any individual isn't complete by themselves and you need somebody to complement what you do. And um, fortunately, we, uh, we just bumped into each other and we had time and effort and uh, time to really figure out that uh, we complemented each other uh, and, and could work together uh, incredibly well. So I know awesome. it's not necessarily the case in most partnerships, you know, I, in the independent world, you're not working with somebody 
necessarily who isn't a partner or might be a future partner or whatever, but in the wirehouse world, you're working next to people day in and day out. And if you can find somebody in the office that really compliments you, then that's probably a good partner. Uh, if you can work through uh, the differences and value what each other bring. I do want to add to that. If it's about money, it's not going to work. I, I don't think there's ever been a conversation that we've had about money. You know, that, that's really it. I, I, the, the, um, if we were both looking to maximize what was in our pockets, we'd be creating a competitive situation and uh, with each other. And uh, I, I think that he and I, even when we didn't have uh, this, this size of practice, we're never focused on money. Um, it was really more focusing on uh, the way we're running the business, on the people we're hiring, on the investment philosophy, uh, on our clients, uh, on frankly, morality, but it was never about money. Yeah. Because if you get all those other things right, the money will eventually a successful business will eventually develop and, and whatnot. When you, right. you invest all those seeds in the ground and you keep watering them and pulling the weeds and doing all the things you need to do to make sure a business grows, it grows. You don't have to worry about it. It's, it's, it, it eventually, it eventually happens. Awesome. Uh, I can tell you this, the one, one I'll say, uh, even in this conversation, cause you know, we've never really sort of talked about this kind of stuff, right? Um, what what I'm taking away from this is uh, that I'll actually apply to some of the things that I have going on in my company is how much you actually rely on other people to help you make the decisions around you that it's not just and I think a lot of people especially entrepreneurs you know they want to go from the wirehouse or any entrepreneur they think I'm the I'm the entrepreneur it's my company I'm the boss right and yes you guys are the bosses but clearly you guys are humble enough and you're you found that group think Right. And a sharing of the decisions, sort of doling out some of that decision making process to your team has really benefited you guys more than I more than I expected it. So I appreciate you guys sharing all this information. John, I know you got to you got to get going. So I, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. I wasn't sure, um, you know, whether, whether you guys were even back to the office or not. So um, I, I appreciate you guys getting back to the office uh, for, for me, at least. I'm, you know, again, I imagine don't even want to know what John, what's below the table there, whether you're in your underwear or <laughs> your, or your pink, yeah, your, your, your pink tutu that you run, you do the, you do your, uh, your charity run with, which is great. So, um, yeah, I've yet to see, uh, and a picture with, uh, Brian with the pink tutu on. So, uh, don't think I'll see one of those, but anyway, thank you very much for, uh, for your time. For those of you that were listening, I hope you enjoyed it. Leave comments on our Instagram page. You can go to franklarosa.elite uh, and you go to our YouTube channel, obviously, at uh, Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Thank you very much, and I look forward to everybody joining us again. Bye-bye. Thank Frank. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.